0: Today, Annie McLaughlin here for this week's edition of Stick Together, the only national program focusing on union news, worker stories and social justice issues. This program is produced in Melbourne for 3CR on the stolen lands of the Wurundjeri people of the Kulin Nation and we pay our respects to their Elders past, present and emerging Stick Together is broadcast nationally on the Community Radio Network with the support of the Community Radio Foundation. Today we ask the question, casualisation a business model or a cancer? Following on from last week's Stick Together episode, focusing on the casuals network that has grown at the NTEU, the National Tertiary Education Union, we look at the issue of insecure work afflicting industries across Australia as corporations across white-collar and blue-collar sectors try to enforce a business model which is crippling workers and changing the entire culture of work in Australia and the very nature of Australian society. We go to a rally that was held outside a mansion bought by Melbourne University for their Vice Chancellor to live in at the cost of $7.1 million, while the university persists in paying academics at casual rates on insecure contracts, with the depressing move to cut the rates of pay of PhD graduates and payouts for wage theft. An interesting element at the rally was the inclusion of speakers from the blue-collar union, the United Workers' Union, fresh from a victory at Toll Kmart warehouses, who were facing the same issues of insecure work and below-inflation wage increases and condition cuts, a situation which in real terms equals a pay cut at the same time that the employers have received windfall profits Coming out of the pandemic We're in the avenue Just across the road From Royal Park Salubrious address Of the Vice-Chancellor Of the uh, Melbourne University And uh, casuals And their supporters From the universities Have come to tell Duncan That he should do better
1: Who paid for your stupid castle Duncan Maskell You dirty rascal <laughs> Who paid for your stupid castle? Who paid for
0: your stupid castle? Who paid for your stupid castle? You Russia. Russia. Right, I'm from the 3CR Stick Together Show, and we're outside a big mansion just across the road from uh, Royal Park. It's uh, salubrious, the weather's good, but the NTEU have come to. Uh, Voice and opinion. What's it about? Uh,
2: the NTU Casuals Network at University of Melbourne is here today um, to uh, demand that the Vice Chancellor take the issue of casuals- casualization more seriously, um, and they have a, a list of demands. Um, I am uh, here in solidarity with them. I am a permanent staff member at the uh, South Bank campus of University of Melbourne. And um, I'm sure they could tell you their exact demands. I don't. I, I don't have them on me. Um, but uh, the issue of casualization is, um, you know, one of the most important that we see at the branch. Um, and until so our staff can feel secure and have jobs that they can count on for um, to build a careers in, um, we won't stop fighting for them.
0: What's this mansion represent?
2: <laughs> this mansion is encapsulates exactly what's wrong with the university system in Australia we have a vice chancellor who makes uh, something around 1.5 million dollars a year uh, and we have casuals that can't pay their rent and um, this uh, 7.1 million dollars before refurbishment mansion is um, we couldn't think of a more perfect example of um, of that
0: is this what he is he living here or something
2: this is the Vice-Chancellor's uh, home that the university purchased for him to live in when he moved from the UK.
0: Yeah, I thought I'd come down and find out what's going on here. Uh, you uh, work for uh, Melbourne University?
3: Um, I don't currently work for Melbourne University, but I did a few years ago. I have been working this year at Deakin University as a casual and Trobe University as well.
0: So it's exactly the same kind of arrangements.
3: Yeah, yeah. So um, I've worked as a casual across universities now for a couple of years and it just happened, you know, wherever you end up finding casual work <laughs> that's where you go, so... Yeah, yeah, yeah. Now,
0: being an educator, it costs a lot of money to uh, become skilled enough to be working at uh, that level of education, doesn't it?
3: Um, yeah, like, I think, you know, for academic staff, you know, you've got to have a... You usually have to have a particular level of... Um, you know, university qualifications and things like that. So, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm a PhD student, like like a lot of casuals that, that teach or uh, do tutoring and things like that. So, um, yeah, often studying alongside working.
0: Yeah. What What's your view about this mansion?
3: Um, as far as I know that the university paid for it, um, I think it's ridiculous um, considering the, you know, the amount of money as well as the VC makes and our conditions and um, yeah, working rights in the sector.
0: Uh, it's a business model, isn't it?
3: Yep, <laughs> yep very much so. A um, very corporatised model of higher education.
0: Thanks. No worries, thank you. employee at the... You're a casual employee? Yeah, so
4: I'm a pl- casual employee at the University of Melbourne, uh, very precariously employed, juggling, I think, 20 different contracts at the moment or something well, concurrently, probably about eight, uh, despite the fact that... I'm a specialised researcher. Uh, I have extremely precarious employment that makes me embarrassed to say what I do to my (laughs) mother-in-law.
0: It's pretty impressive, this uh, uh, mansion that's been bought for the Vice-Chancellor.
4: Pretty impressive. Uh, This is the first time that I've seen it uh, in person, but it's really quite lovely. Uh, A really beautiful mansion. I wish I lived in a really swish place like this, but uh, I'm glad to see that the university is spending its money wisely.
0: Yeah. It, it, it takes a lot of uh, time and uh, financial investment to get to the skill level that you're at. You must be quite angry at the uh, business model that universities have decided to uh, pursue.
4: It's, universities have existed for such a long time on the basis of um, a contract of exploitation that I'm prepared to make sacrifices in the present to develop my work in the future on the basis that it will get better eventually. Uh, But the nature of work now is that the university has structured it in such a way that it is always precarious and that that contract of it getting better is no longer necessarily the case. Certainly not if the university continues to make, uh, to take measures that undermine the value of the PhD, to not pay the PhD rate for work when it should be done, to fight us on every point when we're doing the work that we need to do to guarantee the quality of the education for our students, the quality of the research which is being put out by the institution, and also to guarantee the future of that institution. The university is not a building. It's not a a list of assets. It's not something which is purely financial. It's the people. It's the researchers and the students who make that happen. And by short-changing casuals, they're short-changing their own futures.
0: Uh, the, um, well, you've touched on this. The uh, big concern is the complete takeover of all public universities mm. by commercial interests.
4: Mm. Oh, absolutely. And the nature of commercial interests mm. means that it, it's not producing the best work. It's not producing impartial, ethically strong work it's always going to be compromised and when you sell out the institution of the university which is one of the few places on earth that operates by a different logic and has the potential to really think differently and deeply about the way we live our lives about what we're going to do in the future the mansion, uh,
0: yeah, would you
4: we're shortchanging Australia's future
0: now the
5: nail in the coffin absolutely
0: yeah. Are they actually thinking of uh, removing PhD rates?
5: They've already done it. Really? Yeah. yeah. They've already cancelled the PhD rate. Um, so people with who are PhD holders are no longer being paid for um, all the work they do on that PhD rate, which represents about a fifteen percent pay cut.
0: Yeah. Um, so, so what's the point of actually getting all these qualifications?
5: Good question. <laughs> good question. <laughs>
0: How is the Melbourne University going to continue to keep its rating internationally?
5: Well, I mean, look, a lot of that's based on research rankings, um, but, uh, I mean, I think what we really need to see is an overhaul of the ranking system so that it represents, you know, the teaching quality as well, because at the moment it mainly just preferences how many research papers they pump out. That's not representative of what the students actually get in terms of the service. So...
0: You're on Stick Together, Worker Stories, Union News and Social Justice Issues. We're down at a rally held outside a mansion bought by Melbourne University for their Vice Chancellor to live in at the cost of $7.1 million, held by the Melbourne University Casuals Network, part of the NTEU, calling for secure work rather than the false promise of conversion offered to a very small percentage of academics by the university in the face of a revolt underway against the cancerous business model put in place by the increasingly managerial establishment that is being placed in charge of the public asset, our Australian universities, which have been giving a fat paycheck to 19 upper-level staff at Melbourne University while leaving the teaching staff languishing in the dark lands of insecure work. What was different about this particular rally was the joining of hands between the white-collar workforce and their fellow workers in the blue-collar sectors as they recognise they are fighting the same foe. First up, we spoke to the organisers from the Toll Kmart warehouse dispute about their fight. Can you tell me about uh, the success?
1: yep um, so I mean it was like several years in the making what we 've seen in third party logistics is lots of companies undercutting each other, so they take contracts off each other, like for Kmart or Nike, and they pay their workers less to win the contracts. Um, what we got we... sort of the
0: Walmart theory of uh, um, commerce
1: exactly, no, exactly that. Uh, So our our entire strategy has been years in the making and really trying to uh, educate the members on what's happening and why we're watching wages and conditions decline so persistently. Um, And so what we won was a national agreement with a floor for all new work. So they can't pay minimum wages and they can't pay um, just above the minimum wage anymore. And if these workers move to other sites, they keep their wages, they keep their conditions when they go.
0: Oh, that's so fantastic. Were they frightened? Were the workers frightened?
1: Absolutely, yeah. They were really frightened. Most of them have never been on strike before. Most people... These days don't have experience of going on strike, and that's the whole problem. But actually, the picket lines were like the parties. Happiest thing it was like a at festival. It yeah, came it a amazing. festival, just all a complete reversal of roles, where all the workers got to come together and had all the power over management, who couldn't even get into the site, right? So it was pretty amazing. They certainly, might
6: be frightened next time they, they want to go out. That's for sure. They that's have the time right. of their lives, and it was pretty pretty cool that everyone got that positive and experience.
1: very diverse works work groups, right? Absolutely. Extremely diverse. Yeah. Like I mean. M-
6: Fifty percent, male G-marts and female, so, yeah, people from all over the world. Yeah. Lots
1: of young people, lots of lots of, people. lots of Islanders, like lots of people from all over, really. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, and and most people just yeah never had that experience of actually going out before, and you know, and you
0: got um, above, uh, you got four percent, didn't you?
1: No, it was 3%. 3%? It was 3%. Above 2%. Yeah, that's right. And they hadn't moved off kind of 2% for the six months we were negotiating. But the biggest wins were, Kmart, we lifted the number, minimum number of permanent jobs to 210 from 140 where it was before. Uh, And we got a ratio of permanent to casual jobs for all new sites that toll will win, which is 70-30, which is amazing because most of their sites are well below, you know, the majority of agency casuals. They can't do that anymore. Um, And they'll have to pay uh, the same rates for their agency casuals at all the new sites. They can't pay them the minimum wage, which is what they normally do. It's the incentive for kind of having the casual workers on there from other agencies. Yeah.
0: That's fantastic. Can I get your name?
1: Sure, I'm Anna Thwaites. I'm an organiser at United Workers Union.
6: And Robbie O'Neill, organiser
0: at United Workers Union. And
1: congratulations. Thank you. you, So, Duncan, Duncan better be watching out next year um, because we'll be taking our lessons from our comrades at UWU in what they've been doing uh, because that's how you win. So, welcome, Robbie.
6: Thank you very much. Um, Yes, I wanted to just share with you guys... Respect to all of you for coming out today. You know what you're doing is amazing. I wish you all the success in, in your journey in, down this path. I uh, just wanted to share with you some of the experiences that we've had with the casualisation of warehouses, which is you know, no, not dissimilar to the, the struggle that you're fighting with at the moment. Um, some of the warehouses that we look after where casuals are scoped out of the agreement, paid minimum wage, where it's 80, 90% casualisation of, of warehouses. Uh, recent examples that we had just two weeks ago, we had seven toll warehouses go out on strike, uh, predominantly to fight for permanent, secure jobs. Um, at Kmart, it's a heavily casualised warehouse with about 600, 700 workers there. Four, 500 of them are, ca- are casual, insecure jobs. And it takes a huge amount of courage to, to do what our members did, which was to stand up, to fight back, and to go out the gate and go on strike and make a commitment to stay out there until we won. The reality is, seven warehouses across Victoria, New South Wales, South Australia made that commitment. And with every single worker out there, we won within two days. It was Over 100 permanent jobs were secured across the toll warehouses in just two days when we took that, when we took that action. Um, You know, a lot of these workers had not gone out there before, been on strike, or a little bit nervous about it. You know, you've got your bosses and your employers coming down, bullying you, threatening you. We spoke to them before that, obviously, and we let them know, look, when you do go out there, we're going to have a good time. We stick together. We will win. We went out there together. We went back in together two days later, and I can tell you, they went back in extremely proud, extremely proud of their union, extremely proud of what they achieved. Uh, not only 100 permanent jobs across across those warehouses, but a national agreement we're told now that with a commitment to 70% to 30% permanent to casual ratio for every single new warehouse that they open up across Australia, which is pretty cool. For every warehouse now, that's hundreds if not thousands of jobs moving forward into the future. Um, so like I say, it is daunting. A lot of people haven't taken industrial action before, um, but I have huge respect to what you guys are doing here. I want to just share some some messages from the members and from delegates who who went out on strike with us to just let you know what the feeling was like when we were out the gate there with them. Uh, What an experience, so proud to be a part of a team that truly cares. What an experience, so good that everyone wanted to be a part of it, even those that were staunchly no to joining the union previously. (laughs) So obviously everybody did come on board and everyone is now a member for life. The reality is that the two days that we were out there, an incredible experience, extremely bonding for all the all the members out there. Uh, it feels so good to achieve success after such hard work. This has given me the confidence to call members into car park meetings if I have to. We won't be bullied anymore. Uh, uh, so pretty, pretty cool experiences, guys. It was a really, really great achievement, really great experience for our members. Like I say, it takes an enormous amount of courage to stand up and fight back against your employers, but when you stick together, you will win. When you stand up and you fight back, you will win.
0: You're on Stick Together, workers' stories, union news and social justice issues. At the same rally, workers represented by United Workers' Union spoke up about what they see as the common fight of workers across Australia and the way forward. I'm going to speak very briefly about
5: commonalities and the experiences of casual workers um, across the various industries. Um, So, yeah, like I said, I'm a casual worker at X Call Centre. Um, Nominally, I'm an employee of the company, but in practice I'm little more than a subcontractor was expected to supply the equipment required to perform the work asked of me by my employer. Um, So there's no guarantee of continued work. I could be deprived of work for weeks or even months and never be told why, um, outside of the vague um, fluctuating workloads explanation, um, nor is there any guarantee that I'll ever be rostered on once I've fallen out of the loop. Um, Something which I'm sure you guys are familiar with as well as like casual employees of the university, sort of work also dries up at the beginning and end of the calendar year um as a result what should be a holiday period which i enjoy with friends and family um is instead spent fretting over how i'll make rent or pay my various bills um topping all of this off um and in many ways the reason for my or for the workers at this ex call center um for our shitty work conditions is the company's persistent and obstinate refusal to seriously consider casual conversion Eligible workers have for years been repeatedly denied casual conversion for no apparent reason, and it just keeps on going on and on. Um, What I've just described is something which I'm sure everyone here uh, is very familiar with, um, as casual employees or students at the University of Melbourne. The pervasive reliance of bosses on casual labour should come as no surprise to anyone here. For them, casualisation essentially means the flexibility to tailor the supply of labour to product demand, meaning less waste and, more importantly, more profit for them. For us, what the bosses euphemistically call flexibility entails fear, insecurity and precarity. And this brings me to the question of how we combat this trend as workers. Casual work is ubiquitous and something experienced by broad section of the broad sections of the Australian working class. Therefore the only way forward is to forge strong cross-industry bonds of solidarity between workers because our common plight requires a common fight,
7: right? <laughs> Hi, uh, good afternoon, um, my name's Rob, or, or Fitzy, depending on who um, you ought to believe, and look, I must confess, the last time I actually spoke in front of a bunch of teachers was about 35 years ago, trying to explain why the science lab burnt down one night, <laughs> and it wasn't me, okay, but look, it looks like we, um, it actually looks like we share something in common here, I'm a delegate out at Melbourne's West, and you know we um, represent probably about Oh, five hundred people on site and there's a really ugly trend that has actually happened over the last few years and it's a casualization of our workforce. You know, we've actually seen, you know, sheds, you know, go from something like three hundred permanent members down to five. And it's a long way back. You know, and we've seen, you know, warehouse workers that were once the average income earners in Australia fall below forty five thousand dollars a year. So you're looking at about thirty-three dollars an hour down to about nineteen dollars an hour. Now, that is shame, you know, and so you've gone from about $1,100 a week some time ago to about $701 a week net. That's just the reality that's going on in the backyard here in Victoria. Now, I've been in Australia now for about 35 years and I don't like what I see, you know, and and I see a bunch of kids, you know, and they're all the new Australians coming in under our roof here and, you know, like, fuck if I'm going to stand around and let it just happen. Because it is happening and it's wrong, you know. And one of the ways to change it, you know, you've got the rascal up there, you know, the likes of him, okay. Well, the one that way, way that we got it to stop is by actually locking the rascal in his gate. We locked them in, in his house. We wouldn't let him leave the car park. And that was actually one way of getting action, you know. You know, what time can we leave? Oh, midnight, you know. You know, I've got to go home. Yeah, so do we, you know, in a week you know so they soon do get the message but the whole thing is the whole thing is is that you've really got to be together and we had a really successful strike but it didn't happen overnight you know people just think that these things come together overnight but it was actually hard work actually bring in a very, very vulnerable workforce together over about five or six years. We didn't do it in 18 months. We can't do that when there's casualisation just happening out everywhere and people are living day to day by text to see that they're actually going to, if they're going to get a shift. And then if your face doesn't fit, well, then the supervisor turns around and says, well, you know, you're not getting a shift next week. Or if you've got to go overseas, well, it's unpaid, you know. And by the way, you can have the rest of the week off and enjoy the flight. You know what I mean? You know, and, and then you you just all your rights just evaporate in front of you, so it's been a big haul back. I'm one of the fortunate ones that is now permanent, and and I just don't take it for granted. And I actually have, like most of my nieces and nephews are probably you know, your age. I started a little late, but you know, um, one of my daughters actually wants to be a teacher, but you know, I'm not too keen on the casualisation of our education sector either. So it's really, you know, I suppose it's a look into the future and and looking back from one of your older students here to say, hey, we've got to do something about it. And we've really got to do something about it now because it's an ugly trend that's happening. And casualisation is not flexibility, as somebody rightly pointed out. It's about control. It's about controlling you and me, you know, and nobody's controlling you and me while I wake up every day. Okay, so the whole thing is, is that you've got to get down and you've got to get together and you've got to hold the line and be strong. And you've got to, you know, I don't know what he gets paid. I don't really care what he gets paid. It's too much. We all know that, you know. Yeah, a lot, you know. But if we let it happen at our education level, then you're actually going to start seeing it in the classroom, aren't you? You know what I mean? And then you're going to see everything else that our union has been really fighting against. You know, and then it just spreads out and then we see the domestic violence and then you see the kids you know, coming to school you know, the way they should then you see the black eyes starting to appear so we actually need a permanent education force you know, because I need my kids to see you people secure in your employment because if you're here two days a week or three days a week that's no good you know, like I know some of my school teachers you know, from 35 years ago played a lot of sport with them as I got older So look, I don't really know what else to say, but you've got to stick together. You've got to hold the line, and you don't give up. Because the thing is, we just can't afford to give up. Because it is run by a few people in a head office somewhere. And that's wrong. Why, just a few people can actually run the whole show? Shame. Shame. Okay. So look, thanks for having me. I did a few... I live out west, so it's taken me a bit of a round route to get here, missing missing stops and all that there. But thank you for having me and all the very best, okay? When I say union, you say power. Union! 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 When I say union, you say power. Union!
1: Union!
0: Union! union, union, That's it from Stick Together this week. You can catch up with the show at 3cr.org.au or where you get your favourite podcasts. Contact us at sticktogether at 3cr.org.au. I'm Annie McLaughlin. Join the Stick Together team next week for more workers' news. And remember, wherever you are, whatever you do, there's a union for you. And stick together.
2: But a SOB, fuck a J O B, tell them R.I.P. Hey, yo, you make me out a quit my job, but I can't, so instead I wrote like this song.
7: to my boss, man, you really have a slob definition of a dog, wishing I was gone, kicking back with a six pack sitting on the lawn, but I'm not that I'm here feeling overtired, cause I didn't get no shine for my overtime, I got no desire to be busting for the loop, you're lucky I didn't hustle for industrial dispute, for now I'm in the back room coughing on a dude, while you're and you're off the scuffing, muffins, fucking boots, thinking who the fuck are you, to tell me what to do, I wanna say it to your face, but I'm afraid I'll get the boot, you're annoying as they come, and I don't give a fuck, if the toilet needs a to scrub by an employee of the month, sucker, fuck A job of mine throwing the towel. Made a finger to my boss until he's throwing me out. You make me wanna quit my job, but I
2: can't. So instead, I wrote this song about you.
5: I a little pipsqueak with a one-way ticket to Sydney Equipped with a CV, pristine superfly with a suit and tie Trying to be a big shot, score a slick job And the big smoke gets locked in to a shit box office Making money for the rich folk, feeling pretty ripped off Was only ever meant to be a pit stop now spend my days with you Hey yo, I ain't no stain myself You sir, I got a long way to go Go to hell, make that place your home to dwell the way you smell like I trays and list the rain you act strange like Mr. bing and you probably gonna miss the point it's a damn shame you're the reason I diss this joint you make me wanna quit my job but I can't so instead I work the this-